0: Well, hello. Greetings, everyone. I'm Laurie Kendrick, your host for Conversations with Laurie Kendrick right here on RadioBrave.com. And today our conversations are going to kind of go all over the board, kind of, when it comes to terror. ISIS, Hamas, Hezbollah. We'll even so oh, in the IRA, perhaps. And there's no one better to have this conversation with than a very, uh, very venerable Robert Jacobs. He is a Phoenix-based private political behavioral analyst, and his emphasis is on the Middle East, more specifically terrorism. He works with private companies and various governmental entities, and I would assume, Bob, that that would include some agencies we've heard of but we're not supposed to know about? Uh,
1: something like that.
0: <laughs> okay, so you don't have a your all your information is is basically um, owned by your customers. So you don't have a website per se, right? So no one could go see your your writing.
1: That's right. My my work product belongs to my customers. To my it's clients. proprietary. That's correct.
0: Okay. Well, they so. They, l- so let's not tarry about that. But I have read your stuff in in in, in, in some articles before. And that's how I know about you. and know that you are the expert at hand. So Lynn, let's talk about the subject at hand. It's one of the principal things we're scared of. It is terrorism. And let's talk about ISIS right now specifically. Now, Bob, color me ignorant. But I always thought, based on what I knew, ISIS is like the nephews, the brothers, the younger uh, the younger family members of Al-Qaeda. How right, how wrong am I? What is ISIS?
1: Uh, ISIS has nothing to do with Al-Qaeda. Okay. There's a profound difference between the two organizations. Al-Qaeda is based on a particular ideology. We're going to talk about ideologies a little bit later on. <clears throat> Excuse me. But there is a religious ideology. There is some... Semblance or some pretense of religious uh, background to Al Qaeda, ISIS is nothing more than a criminal organization masquerading as as a religiously inspired group. Uh, but they're kind of like the when you go to the to a Halloween party and you have a mask that sort of doesn't fit or you can see right through it. Well, that's who ISIS really is. They are nothing more than a, a criminal enterprise. Uh, most of their European converts, converts, for example, come from prisons, are, are newly religious. They have the zeal of the newly religious. They're looking for redemption for what have you. But in point of fact, most of them uh, are looking to split the booty. And that booty is literally financial, uh, uh, real estate, Oil. They they deal in drugs. They deal in all kinds of criminal enterprises, but most importantly, uh, although certainly not the largest reason, probably the smallest, it has to do with women. It has to do with the sexual subjugation of women. See, when we, we've all been shocked and stunned at the reports and some of the videos of how ISIS treats women and slaves, women and so on, takes them for, 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 for sexual slaves. But this is not a real ideological shelter, if you will, of Islam. But they, they, they use the word Islam, but this really is a cover for them to act out on very depraved ideas, very depraved. You know, we, we don't see other other, relig- other um, terrorist groups to such an extent where they enslave women, they rape women, they, they take them, as, as, they auction them off. You know, we don't see this. This we see strictly, or for the most part, with ISIS. And here you have a group that is so profoundly dysfunctional, they don't even hide it. But they're using Islam as a cover. Okay. Sorry, and they sorry. do the same thing.
0: Okay, so I guess my, 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 my question is, it is a very bastardized form of Islam.
1: You know, it's so tempting to say that. But? But in, in reality, of course, it isn't. I mean, everybody wants to bash Islam. And there's plenty to bash, by the way. There's plenty to bash today, and we can talk about that as well, about what the problem that Islam is facing now. But this is so far off that reservation. This yeah. is so far off anybody's – I mean, there's never been anything like ISIS
0: before. But, I know, but but you know? Bob, how did ISIS start? What was the genesis? Was it partially Iraq? Was it bin Laden's death? What what decided to make these guys put on black headsets, get a flag, use some paper, white paint right on there, and decide uh, Sharia law was where it was at, and let's kill the American West, or let's kill the West, ISIS? anyone who doesn't share our values? Okay.
1: ISIS was born in the anarchy of Iraq and Syria.
0: Post invasion, correct?
1: That, yes. Whenever you have a whenever you have a, a group, a, a terror group that is born in anarchy, you it's not about whatever they say it is. It's always about power. It is about amassing and assembling great swaths of power and we screwed up in iraq certainly the post-bush years and certainly the obama years we've certainly made iraq into into you know the poster child of failure the same thing with syria though in a different way the syrian uh, the syrian experience could have been dealt with literally in the first three weeks so but now of course it's morphed it's grown it's it's expanded it's got roots it's metastasized where now we can't fix Syria had we intervened in Syria within the first three weeks we would have been there would be no more Bashar al-Assad there would be no Russia, there would be no Iran but the president chose not to why? He 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 magnified the problem when he said, "Well, use of chemical weapons, you know, is a red line." Well, they use chemical weapons, and they're still using them, and we have done nothing.
0: But so why? The threat
1: that we had, Why?
0: Why? Yeah. Why has uh, Why has uh, the Obama administration kind of said, uh, "Hey, hey, hey, hands off"?
1: I think for any number of reasons. Not the least not the not the least important of which is, is fear, fear of the terror that we're talking about. I think the administration believed that if we got embroiled in Iraq, or excuse me, in Syria early on, we would be facing terror here. Now that was a sore miscalculation. The the rebels in Syria, let's forget in, Excuse me, let's not forget, initially, they weren't armed, there were no groups, there were people marching in the streets with placards, saying, we want to vote, we want freedom of the press, we want civil liberties. Bashar al-Assad found this terribly, terribly threatening, and he unleashed uh, what can only be described as another holocaust. You know, people say, well, you shouldn't use the word holocaust. Yes, of course you can. No true holocausts are the same, but it, it is the intent that makes them the same. And the intent here, Bashar al-Assad has literally wiped out a significant portion of his own population, of his own people. This is an extraordinary event. When the Syrian opposition came, under. Uh, at the time the leader was a fellow by the name of Jarba. Right. They came to Washington hat in hand, and they met with the president, and they met with Kerry, and they met with Nancy Pelosi. And they said, look, we, we are asking you to help us to be free. Don't send weapons. Don't send troops. Just arm us. Arm us. Oh, yes, we're here to help. We're here to help, said the administration. And they ended up sending them MREs and flashlights. <laughs> and we wonder why half a million Syrians are dead.
0: Oh, I don't mean to laugh at that, but uh, the 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 way you put it is so is so true. But what I want to ask you about, and what we'll touch on after the break, which is uh, which is coming up, and you can kind of hint yes or no to this: how, crazy plus crazy should cancel crazy out. If you've got a sod. In Iraq, And you've also got um, ISIS in Iraq and doing the most heinous things they do to their people to punish them or to, or to prove they want Sharia law and to take over the West. How come Assad and uh, 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 ISIS can coexist? Why haven't they taken each other out? That's what I would like to know, and that's what I would like for you to explain. Um, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break, and uh, since you don't have any websites to promote uh, Mr. Bob, I would like to go ahead and promote mine in the time we have remaining. If you have an email, you'd like to send me a suggestion. Would you like to be on Conversations with Laurie Kendrick? Correspondences as such, email me at conversations with lk. At gmail.com. And our show has a brand new Facebook page. Check it out. Follow us. Like our new page on Facebook. It is called Conversations with Laurie Kendrick. And on this particular day, we're having a conversation with uh, Bob Jacobs, a Middle East expert. Stay tuned for more. We're going to find out about our ideologies up next. Radio. I think about the loveless fascination. Welcome back to Conversations with Laurie Kendrick. Uh, I'm Laurie Kendrick, and you're listening to RadioBrave.com. This is our radio station, or podcast station for the mind and body. We're going to educate you today on this version of Conversations by talking about something that scares the hell out of a lot of people, including politicians and, well, it should or so says my guest. He's a Middle Eastern expert, knows a lot about uh, their uh, political policy there. It is Bob Jacobs, based out of Phoenix. Thanks again uh, for joining us, Bob. And um, let us just, let us not tarry, let's go straight to ideologies. What kind of ideology one must have to be a jihadist in ISIS or in general? And what does it what's it going to take to turn some young blonde haired, blue eyed kid in the farm belt who's just not really satisfied in life and going, Hey, I can do something. How 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 do they make turning or self radicalizing so tantalizing? Can you that's that's a lot of questions. Can you sum those down parts? Sum those sum down the parts, please?
1: Sure. First before we progress to how does a kid in the rust belt or the Midwest self radicalize it's important to understand what ideology is. There, ideologies are everywhere. Every religion embraces an ideology. Everyone, every every different Christian group, every different Jewish group, and and Muslim group, and and Buddhist group, they all have their own ideologies. Ideology in itself is not a bad thing. Where ideology, where, where ideology has an issue or becomes an issue is when it transforms from ideology into dogma. That's now by definition, dogma is just single minded, no ifs, ands, or buts. But real ideology, of course, welcomes and embraces questions and embraces conversation and embraces exchange. So the the problem isn't Ideology per se, it's what you do with this ideology. If the ideology becomes dogma, then we have a problem. If the ideology is really only a cover for something else, now we have an even bigger problem.
0: And you think that's the case with ISIS?
1: I think that's the case with ISIS and al-Qaeda and any terror group, any and every terror group. They use an ideology to to push their own power. The the ideology is the dress. The ideology is the costume.
0: Okay. Looked on the State so, Department. I'm sorry. I looked on the State yeah. Department. Fifty eight current groups they are watching. Fifty eight. The bulk of them in um, the Middle East. Some in Africa. Some yes. in uh, uh, in um, Asian in countries, you'll be glad to know that the yep. Khmer Rouge has been officially delisted. So there, there you go. but fifty eight groups, again, mostly in 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 the Holy Land. It's yep. going to kind of jump to the left a little bit, but it boggles my mind that in the Holy Land, where the 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 Bible was based, the Quran was based in all this area, and a lot of books, a lot of books from a lot of religions uh, mention it. How did it all start that right that, that the Holy Land is ground zero for terror?
1: How does that happen? You have, you have to take you have to take the Bible and the Old Testament and the Quran out of the equation. A little less so the Quran, but we'll, we'll come back to that. What you're witnessing here again, is nothing more than a quest for power. These groups want power. They don't want elections. They don't want uh, uh, civil rights, but that's not the real problem. The real problem isn't taking place in, a, in, in the Middle East. The real problem, I mean, it is a huge problem, but the real problem is in the West, is in the United States, is in Western Europe. Our problem? Where we some... That, and I'll tell you why that's the real problem. Because we somehow want to equate these groups as legitimate forms of political expression. So imagine... Imagine this. Imagine if you supported LGBT causes, okay? Well, would you walk arm in arm and embrace someone who wants to kill black people, African Americans, no. or just, just you know, uh, would, you, would you embrace, would, you, would, would, you, uh, would any LGBT person want to walk arm in arm and say, you know what, I think genocide is a great idea? course not. But in the Middle East, it's very different. You have people in the West who have embraced not the ideology, but the dogma of these Middle East groups. They're saying, oh, we, we love everybody, but we just want to kill the Jews. And this is what they say. They say, we'll finish what Hitler started. You don't have to take my word for it. you. There are. Are places where one can find their stated ideology?
0: And their they stated feel dogma. This is their dogma. They feel they and can do you, this by the establishment of a, a, a of a caliphate, if you will. That is a that is entirely an no, Islamic thought, state. No,
1: a caliphate has religious connotations. Okay. ISIS is not a religious organization, and neither is Hamas, and neither is Hezbollah. They use religion as a cloak. But what has happened is is that they wrap themselves up in this piety well, that, w- that you have so many people who would willingly make them partners despite their own stated need and desire for genocide and when you don't have people stand up to that and you don't have people question that and call them out on it they feel empowered and they get drunk with their own power and they escalate, and they escalate, and they escalate.
0: So you're talking about citizenry in Damascus. Let's just not try to do anything about this. Let's just flee, therefore giving them more well, power, what more I'm acreage. Talking, what, what
1: I'm talking about is campuses all over ah. the United States and Western ah. Europe who will tell you that we support Hamas. Okay, We support Hezbollah. We support that's an extraordinary thing. You're supporting but, people.
0: But Bob, let's people not forget. For but let's not forget.
1: Now wait a minute. Now, if you, if people want to criticize the policies of the state of Israel, that's fine. That's politics. Good policies, bad policies, in between policies, debatable policies, doesn't matter. But when you say we're going to support this, this side that calls for genocide, that's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. And this is what we have. So now you have again. A critical mass of people whom the politicians now have to address. So they give these organizations, like the State Department, list, that somehow this is these are legitimate voices of political opposition.
0: And they're doing Would it. Would you say? Well, 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 let me
1: ask you this: Would okay. you say a person who 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 stands for and calls for the eradication of blacks, the eradication of LGBT? Or gays? Would you say that they're legitimate? Of course not. But when they call for the eradication of other people, well, that's okay.
0: But you've also you've also got to you 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 must simply uh, give well credit, if you will, to ISIS's mastery of. Uh, uh, social media and uh, online propaganda. Oh. And that has, that has been their means. It's a superb means, by the way, and I mean that negatively, of recruiting tens and thousands of young jihadists in a way, we're talking ISIS, that Al-Qaeda was never able to do because we didn't have the technology. Now, If you're a young man and you're angry and you don't know what you want to do and your pathology is a little screwed due to hormones or whatever, and you're watching videos of these guys just blowing up buildings and shooting and and burning people alive, uh, who do you think you're going to uh, tend to follow more say, when it comes to al-Qaeda you're, propaganda you're, versus ISIS there, propaganda. Is, An 18-year-old boy is going to be wanting to seek adventure and something to do as opposed to listening to some 90-year-old uh, cleric speak ancient uh, uh, Farsi or Arabic it's, reading straight from the Quran.
1: It's, it's not their implementation
0: that. that's also it's a- not just winning. It's
1: not You're also talking about that 18-year-old kid in, in, in the Rust Belt or the Midwest somewhere who wants to feel empowered. He has no control over his life anymore
0: yes and or the appeal the of too. isis will do that too if he's skewed yes, enough
1: yes, that's exactly the point that's exactly the point point. and the media and the technology that you speak of feeds that they feed that and don't kid yourself the people who put this stuff together are very sophisticated they know exactly how to reach people they know exactly how to reach out to this, this to these disaffected kids but you have to understand a kid growing up today anywhere doesn't have to be in the Midwest the kid I mean there was just this morning um, a, a uh, an incident in Canada just outside Toronto where they where the RCMP and CSIS, the Canadian security uh, people they shot and killed some guy who was planning an imminent uh, attack uh, from what I gather from what I glean I've just heard about it this was a local kid this wasn't an immigrant this wasn't a someone who was born into this type of uh, milieu. But in any event, kids today, everybody today feels as if they have no power. And, it's, and it's in, in large measure, it's because of media. There was a time when if we wanted to escape, we picked up a book. Now we go online. The very, the very idea of online is to connect with others. The biggest feature of online is email or chat rooms or, or you know, or texting or messaging, you know, or messaging. It's all about internet. we don't have anywhere to escape. And no matter what we do, we're, we're always one voice among many. There's nothing unique about us. When you pick up a book, it's just, it's just me and that book, just you and that book.
0: And there's an interchange that is verbal- Right. Are, are, are communicated right. between ISIS and these, their poss- an possible recruits. There's intellectual when you pick up a uh, All right. We're going to take a it's quick you break. Uh, Bob will be right back to learn more about terror and the root of terror. It's a fascinating interview. You won't want to miss it. So join us when we come back. This is Conversations with Laurie Kendrick. I'm Laurie Kendrick. Conversations today, ISIS, terror, and why. Why must it exist, And welcome back to Conversations with Moi. I'm Laurie Kendrick. Today we're not uh, talking about wolfmen. We're not talking about uh, vampires or things that go bumping tonight necessarily. Tonight we're talking about a, or today we're talking about a, a, a conversation that's very serious, hot on the political stumping trail as well, terror and terrorism. And our special guest today is the very knowledgeable Bob Jacobs. He is a uh, Phoenix-based private political behavioral analysis and knows what he's talking about when it comes to ISIS and terror in general. Bob?
1: Yeah, You know, I, there was something, Laurie, I wanted to bring up. Okay. Uh, and I, I, it just came to me. It, it, Eric Fromm, uh, one of the great uh, progenitors of, of psychoanalysis and human insights in general, he, he wrote a, he wrote something, and he basically said this. He says that man differs from animals by virtue of the fact that man is a killer. Mm-hmm. Man is the only primate that will not only kill but torture other members of his own species for no reason whatsoever. And he derives satisfaction from This is very very important to understand when you're looking at who is a terrorist and who becomes a terrorist. We've all heard about the experiment of the jailer versus the you know versus the prisoners and you know how the jailer becomes very cruel and so on. This is a great sense of empowerment. Throughout the world, you have many 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 people who have, for example different and grand degrees of mental illness. You also have, within this group and other groups outside, out the groups that are people that are mentally ill, you have people who are inclined to be aggressive. Now, when these things come to a head, it's not acceptable to be aggressive. It's not acceptable to become a torturer.
0: It's not yeah, acceptable. But Bob, a, these, these so groups wait, 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 are like... Wait, ma- ma- wait, hear me up. They're like magnets hear to uh, pathologists, to, uh, sociopaths, yes. and narcissists. That's right, but hear me out for a minute.
1: Hear me out. I'm almost done with this point that I wanted to make.
0: Because
1: it is not acceptable to behave like this, they cloak themselves under this guise of, well, this is our religious expression. This is a higher cause. Okay? It's very funny. People... Resort to terror. And so last thing I want to say before you ask me else, people resort to terror for one of two reasons. They're either responding to a legitimate grievance or they're looking for an excuse to commit acts of terror, to justify their terror. These are two very different things. But in the end, they really are very closely related. Some people just look for an excuse and other people feel, well, this is the best way to respond to something. But the people, the vast majority of people in the Middle East, certainly, and for that matter, for example, the Philippines, Abu Sayyaf, and all these other groups, they're looking for an excuse to be violent. They're not responding to any great oppression. Not at all. Not at all. Certainly in the Middle East, that's not the case. If you, if you really wanted to respond to, to, to oppression, if, you, if your cause is so noble... You wouldn't hide behind children. You wouldn't hide behind schools. You wouldn't place uh, military installations on hospital rooftops. That's not how you respond to someone who's oppressing you. You don't go stabbing uh, little girls in their sleep. That's not a response to a prayer. You're going to stab a soldier you know, knock yourself out. When you start attacking innocent civilians, that's a whole other thing.
0: Anyway, I, I mean um, um, Osama said we will attack make no difference we will discern not between a uniform or a dress. He made that right. very clear prior This to is how you know and this is
1: how you know that they're not legitimate. And this is how you know this is not about anything else other than power. Okay. Nobody flies a plane into a building because the GDP of one group is less than the GDP of another. Okay? Nobody Nobody, nobody terrorizes a whole group, sends rockets, you know, by the thousands, okay, because they're looking to, because they're looking to be free from oppression. No. They do this for power.
0: Okay. So Not they,
1: power over their intended enemy. Everybody knows they can't beat their intended enemy. It's power at home. Okay. The P.A., so- Mahmoud Abbas, has been president for 12 years after a four-year term. Hamas is never going to give up power. They don't care about their people. They spend all the aid money building tunnels.
0: Then how does Abbas and ISIS coexist without killing each other off for power and struggle and land because and they, money?
1: Because, no, because they're, they're very tribal. This is your turf. This is our turf.
0: They invade no, the Turks all the time. What does that, I mean, that's still, in, not. I mean, that's an a, uh, uh, intrusion upon tribalism, tribal lands. No, no, no. I mean, is there some kind of unspoken rule that they don't knock out the head of Israel, they don't knock out the head of Jordan, they Absolutely. don't knock out? The, Absolutely. They're, they're, wait a they minute, there's a an agreement here?
1: Yes, it's more than a gentleman's agreement. It's open. They need an enemy. Let me ask you something. Iran. Iran is a long way from being a frontline state in the Middle East, right?
0: Sweetie, Iran is a long way from a lot of things.
1: That's right. But yet their obsession with Israel and America doesn't, they're not going to knock out Israel. They're not going to knock out America. What it does is it focuses attention away from their own internal problems. So the people in Iran, you know, are screaming, you know, death to America, death to little Satan. And they're not focused on their own oppressors, which is their own regime.
0: Okay, then explain why. What is it with the West? What, Europe? America, oh, what is sure. it? Why? Because
1: we have succeeded. I'll tell you why. Because we have succeeded where they have failed. Meaning? These countries, These meaning these countries have a thousand years, more than a thousand years of a great history, and it's been squandered by these tyrants and these dictators. Furthermore, America committed the great sin. America is a nation of mongrels. See, America was not built on an ideology. Well, we talked about that earlier, Idea, right? America was built on ideas and ideals. America was built on an, by way of an intellectual construct. Mm-hmm. All these other nations, we are Persians, we are Iraqis, we are Arabs, you know, they were built based, predicated on nationalistic terms on on racial terms, on on, on biological terms, America was a mongrel, and here comes this state who says, "You know what? Everybody's the same. Everybody's equal." Well,
0: Everybody. I get that. I get that. But then you've got then you've got people fighting within themselves in the Middle East: the Sunnis, the 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 yeah. the the Shariahs. What's that all about? Shia. Yeah. Shia I'm sorry, Shia. I'm these sorry.
1: Are, yeah, th- these are two different uh, interpretations of Islam these are two different interpretations one of the great tragedies now is that we have empowered uh... iran greatly by giving them lebanon by giving them syria we have sort of come uh, come around to to what they're called you know the, uh, the shia crescent and whereas the shia were the minority they now threaten everybody you see one of the great failures And I don't don't mean to be political in a a partisan way, but but I'm just talking general terms. One of the great failures of this administration has been that they have upended, they have turned on its head foreign policy. Foreign policy is always predicated on as little change as possible. In other words, incremental change. But don't do more damage. Under the current administration, unfortunately, that's been, as I said, turned on its head. We have ceded Lebanon to uh, uh, Iran. We have certainly um, we have certainly ceded Syria to Iran. And now we have a whole new set of problems. We have an enormous
0: change. And with the agreement, are we and in some way it, ceding our to, to Syria. I'm sorry? And, and, and our agreement with them, then are we then conceding ourselves to them in some form or fashion via yeah. the agreement? Yes,
1: yes, yes. We have we have agreed to let Iran. Iran stomps its feet, and they decided we want to be big players. And this particular administration said, "Okay." So they've now empowered Iran. Iran with, Iran has nuclear. Iran will have if they don't have. And I personally believe they already do have nuclear weapons. I don't think they'd be making this much noise if they didn't. But even if they don't, we have now set the stage where they can uh, develop nuclear, nuclear weapons. With Syria as their client state, they can bring those weapons to the front line. And don't forget, in Syria, in Syria right now, the whole issue, the whole problem in Europe with, with immigration, migrants, refugees, and there's a big difference between those, between those differences, you know, between migrants and refugees, but wouldn't exist had, had Syria not been allowed to devolve. But instead, we turned our back. And now, the Europeans, who have every right to say to this administration, thanks a lot, guys, they're under siege. And they're really under siege
0: it seems like it. Okay. And coming up uh, in our next break, uh, Bob really want to talk to you about the uniqueness of terror and how that's kind of practiced among Hezbollah, Hamas, PLO, PLF, it's whatever it's called because uh, they're all different and they're all kind of the same in a lot of real interesting ways. Fascinating subject. Wish we could go another 2 hours. I'm speaking with Bob Jacobs. He's a specialist in the Middle East and you're listening to Conversations with Laurie Kendrick, that's me. Only on RadioBrave.com. Welcome back to Conversations with Laurie Kendrick. I'm your host, Laurie Kendrick, and my special guest this hour is Bob Jacobs. He is a Phoenix-based expert on all things terrorism and in the Middle Middle East. If it even remotely involves the Middle East, Bob knows about it. And this segment, we're going to talk about uh, the special uniqueness of terror. I would imagine Hezbollah, Hamas, the PA, all of them have their own um, way of doing it. But before we get into that and a heavily, heavily based conversation, I got to ask you, Bob, when you talk about all this, I'm thinking, I know what my producer was thinking, where is Saudi Arabia In all this, it seems like they're trying to be good. They, good guy when they can, uh, devil's advocate when they can. What is their role in all this? That's
1: the question of the day, without a doubt. Saudi Arabia, as well as the other uh, Gulf countries, are undergoing profound changes.
0: Jordan too, would you say? And
1: again, well, because the the status quo has been upended so much that they are now being forced. To renegotiate their own uh, their own raison d'etre. Okay. Now, Saudi Arabia is a frontline country against Iran. Now, in the previous segment, you had asked about Shia versus Sunni. One of the big bones of contention is who controls Mecca. The Saudis, of course, are the Sunnis, and they are controlling Meccas in their country. The Shia. In Iran have made no uh, secret of their desire to one day, you know, very vague, to one day um, control Mecca. So now you have what was a simmering pot, a regional simmering pot, has now been brought out into the open. And that is why the Saudis have now forged an alliance with new friends. They forged an alliance with the Israelis, for example. They're very, very close. Uh, they forge an alliance with the Egyptians. Again, there's a geographic big distance there. But in a, in a region that size, geography matters. Geography matters. And again, to put, to put a little bit of perspective on how much of a tinderbox the region is, if you take the combined Arab world, imagine... It was a football, excuse me, a football field, yes. Imagine it was a football field. Now take a matchbook, take a big one if you're so inclined, suppose a small one, and put it in the corner of the football field. That matchbook represents proportionally Israel. And they have been telling you, telling us for the last 70 years, whatever, that that's the source of all the problems in the Arab, in the Arab world that matchbook in the corner. Well, of course, that's preposterous. But now, all of a sudden, that matchbook is, is very important. So you have, within the Sunni world, a real slow turn, a real coming around to forge new alliances and new friendships, and that's what's happening. Because the Iranians have made no mistake, actually, have made no secret of their intentions. They want to dominate everything. They want to dominate the region. They want to dominate. And when I say dominate the region, forget the religious aspect. We're talking about oil. Now, there are people down in Texas who are in the oil business, okay? And Iran could very well uh, bankrupt these people. If they control huge swaths of land that are oil-producing, uh that's going to put the United States under uh, and Europe under a certain amount of pressure. And the Iranians, for example, uh are making friends with the Russians and they want to control the pipeline into Western Europe. So there's this whole geopolitical game that goes on here beneath the surface. And what again, unfortunately, this administration has put everything up in the air. Everything, you know, and, and we're all scrambling to catch, you know, to catch the balls that are coming down hell of a way to run a foreign policy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, exactly. and that's, just, that's just the reality of it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, again, we don't have enough time, so we're just touching the surface of this. But we, any one of the, these things that we've we've discussed so far, you know, we could get into, into much greater deep uh, depth.
0: Is, is Saudi Arabia two-faced?
1: No more than anybody else
0: is. Okay. Okay.
1: Listen, There are no perfect states. Okay, There are none. All mistakes, all states make mistakes. There are errors made, bad policies, bad judgment. That's okay. The trick is, can you get back on track? Well, normally that's what happens. Unfortunately, now we have upset the apple cart so much that there's a new track, and we don't know where this track is going. Well, and earlier a... I said the idea of foreign policy is to change as little as possible. Right. Right? In other words, everything should be incremental so we can see where we're going. We can see where we're headed. Now, right that is a... now but Right now, with this Iran deal, we have no idea what's coming down the pipe. None. And we're in a position where a, a, a politician, a secretary of state, a president can look at the camera and say— Yes, well, we sent pallets and and garbage bags full of cash in different denominations because we owed a debt. Well, I suppose that's partially true. I suppose we did owe a debt. But I can tell you where that money is going to end up. It's going to end up in the hand of Hezbollah. It's going to end up in the hand of Hamas. And by the way, just this past week, Hezbollah and Hamas have said, of course Iran supports us. That's where we get our money from.
0: So, well, so, so what you're saying basically is, is this is – these actions, these motivations are all kind of the uniqueness of terror, would you say? Yes. Look,
1: the point of terror is not to kill many people. People think, oh, this is terrible, you know, that they killed you know, so many people. And we well, we it sure look at looks like it. And we look at, yes, we look at 9-11, we look at Paris, we look at Belgium. No. The point of terror is not to kill so many people. The real point of terror is to have so many people watching what's going on. In other words, and I know I, 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 I tend to repeat myself sometimes, but effectively what I'm saying is that whether they kill 3,000 or 300 doesn't matter. They want 300 million watching in real time.
0: So it's done for spectacle and the power therein. That's
1: correct. That is, that is correct.
0: And because if we you see...
1: Have that it, I know that you've been a journalist for a very long time. You know yourself, okay? It's the spectacle, that's the power. Al Capone, remember? Just spell my name right. (laughs) Right? Just spell my name right. Well, that's power. When these groups get up and say, see what we've done to the great Satan, see what we've done to the Europeans, okay? And then you have, for example, in the case of the refugees Mm -hmm. or the migrants, you know, more than likely, they come to Europe and they've committed some very, very bad crimes. And then it becomes known, the media uncovers, governments have issued uh, statements telling the media, please do not report this. Please do not report who committed these crimes. Well, all these groups are more empowered. They're more empowered. What would you do if there was a, a minister, okay, who said, we are going to rape their women, and we will make them Christians that way. But you'd be outraged. That minister yeah. would be out of a
0: job. I'd become a Catholic real fast.
1: That's not the case in Europe. That's been well documented, well reported. So the, 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 the uniqueness of terror is really is in how creative some of the people can be in, in exploiting the media, in exploiting... And. The ideas and and, and increasing the fear in the general populace.
0: And let's talk about that in a few minutes we have left. ISIS is not going to take
1: over America. ISIS is not going to take over any country in Europe.
0: But Bob. But they can weaken it. You have visions of people being put in a lion cage. Gay men are being thrown off 50 story buildings just for being homosexual. Women are stoned for being raped.
1: That's right.
0: And this this you're trying to say is more spectacle? and, And our
1: problem is. Our biggest problem is that we point the finger elsewhere, and we refuse to see the hypocrisy, the moral ah. hypocrisy and degradation of our own culture that refuses to condemn that.
0: Yeah, this we is, want we want more. This is where
1: terror will succeed. Yes, exactly. It, it will succeed in undermining who we are.
0: Exactly. Exactly. America,
1: you know what, America. Greatness lies in the fact that America, for the last century, has defined hope. Very interesting. Hope is a scrawny 18- or 19-year-old kid from Nebraska or Iowa who puts on a uniform, who goes overseas to help another people be free or to relieve them from oppression and tyranny, and then he goes home. That's hope. To a whole generation of the world, that's hope. So when you see these old men in their in their uniforms, in their berets, in their blue jackets, in their blazers, walking down the street on Veterans Day, on, 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 on Memorial Day, that's what hope looked like to a whole generation.
0: Wow. Wish I had my flag a, here. A that really makes. photograph. A <laughs> no, really, that's so moving. That's so a moving. Young man what you said.
1: With uh, with hooks for arms. Mm-hmm. He lost his. He lost his extremities in, in Iraq, and he's being embraced by a very old veteran. Nobody
0: wow. gets it. Yeah. Nobody gets it. And uh, here, we, here we must, here we should, and if we don't, we really got to get on that hopeful bandwagon because that's, uh, that's what keeps us alive, that's what keeps us sane. When we come back talking with Bob Jacobs, we are going to be talking about the need for expression and terror. Believe it or not, there is a need for this, and Bob will explain why. This is Conversations with Laurie Kendrick. We'll be back in just a second on radiobrave.com. laurie kendrick and you are listening to conversations with laurie kendrick heard only on radiobrave.com Glad you're listening today. This is uh, winding up an hour that has been really, really enlightening. It's about terrorism, ISIS more particular, but uh, terrorism on a broad scale in general. And my special guest is Bob Jacobs, who is an expert when it comes to uh, the Middle East and all the terroristic nonsense, horrible stuff that happens there. And we're going to wrap up the show in just a few minutes. But we need to talk about something that 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 Bob brought up to me that kind of made me think. Bob, you say that there's actual a need for expression and terror? Why?
1: Absolutely. Because the, the expression that is projected tells us who these people are. America was founded by terrorists, for lack of a better word, revolutionaries. We can call them what we want, but they were revolutionaries. Bashar Assad calls his opposition terrorists. They're not terrorists, they're revolutionaries. What's happening in, in Syria is not, a civil, excuse me, is, is not a civil war, but it's a revolution. It's an attempt at revolution. Yes, there are different players now that got involved in ISIS and all kinds, but the, the, genesis, the genesis, the origin of this has always been standing up and fighting for a cause. We, sometimes we give it, we call them terrorists, sometimes we call them revolutionaries, but it all comes out in the end, it's all about behavior. It's all about, what are you doing in the name of your cause? A hundred years ago, a couple hundred years ago, it was like half, and half of an instant of a moment on this great cosmic clock, America took her steps, her tentative steps towards freedom, wasn't to be based again, as I said, on religion or, or or any other type of biological reasoning, but it was based on ideas. And since the, since those days, we have grown, we have prospered. Other nations emulate us, and billions and billions of people have been inspired by us. You know, in the last segment, we talked about veterans and hope. Well, when you realize that a veteran, man or woman, they're a living testimony to people who would defend the principles and ideals of freedom that this country was founded on. They didn't fight for geography. They certainly fought for more than their country. They wanted to leave something better, a gift. Look, from the beginning of time, whether it's our nation, any other nation, there are always people, forces determined to destroy the good. There are entire political ideologies that are predicated on vilifying us, vilifying our allies, vilifying people like us. And most importantly, they want to vilify the belief that freedom serves all of mankind. This is what terror undermines. This is what terror undermines. But mm. somehow, being free does not serve all mankind. They say, "Serve God." We say, "Serve God." If you want to, don't have to. All we ask is that you behave in a certain way. All we care about is how you treat others. Is 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 if all we care about is that people have equal access to the institutions and to courts. You know, Lady Justice and blindness and all that. You know, the blindfold. You have some people like Bashar al-Assad who would sooner kill his own people than have them be free. Now imagine that. They would sooner kill their own people. We saw this in the Soviet Union, under communism, Bolshevism. We saw this under communism in China. Tens and tens of millions of people were killed because the powers that be would rather kill than have a free society.
0: Would we find that if uh, happening to us if some of these folks got their way and turned America, ruled America under Sharia law? Is what we expect. Experience- it doesn't
1: have to be Sharia law. America is not going to. America is not going to fall under sharia law that would never happen you say that's never going to happen they want us to think it's going to happen so then they can say you see they hate us that's what they want they want to convince people you don't want to be free because look at them they're free and they hate us look americans are different westerners are different i hate to say only americans but we basically underwrote freedom as we know it today we're very different We were raised with the conscious understanding that we are obligated to build and to defend the principles and ideals of freedom, or if you're in America, of our founding fathers. We're different. We're not better than them. Their legacy certainly serves as a guiding light. We don't need to reinterpret freedom with each new regime. We don't need to reinterpret freedom with each successive generation. We are, in fact... Beholden to them, they've elevated successive generations
0: mm-hmm.
1: and made us better. No, we're not perfect, and we make mistakes, and sometimes we slip and fall. Well, the, that that's we the do. way of the world, isn't it?
0: That we do. Um, uh, Israel has adopted a lot of our of our democratic principles and applied a few of their own. Yes. Why is uh, Israel then the bane of every uh, most of the Arab world's existence?
1: Because Israel is the mirror in which they have to look. The Israelis did, the Jews did in, in one hundred years, what the Arabs couldn't do in five thousand years. They made the desert bloom. It's that simple.
0: Would you call Their it black capitalism and, and infrastructure and establishment of comfortable all, homes all, and income? All, all of it? it? You 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 can't pick one, it's all of it. Here you have a country
1: with a tumultuous democracy, right? They even had they have a they have political parties. That, that are that are pet oriented. They have another one that's the chess party. And yet, despite this cacophony of of divergent voices, they built a first world country. Yeah. These people, who had every right to point to the world and say, "Look what you did to us! Look what you have done!" They said, "No, we'll build our own country,"
0: and they did. And Hamas and and the Palestinians, mostly Hamas, tried to erase them off the earth. But then my question to you, Bob, is: If everyone, if this is all like one big kumbaya brotherhood among the radical Islamic folks, why don't you see uh, the Hezbollah helping Hamas? Why don't you see ISIS coming to help Hamas? They do. They do.
1: No, no, no. Yes, they do. Yes, they do.
0: They do. Okay.
1: Yes, they do. Absolutely, they do. And again, this is where you see the the distinction between the Westerner, if you will, or or the people who are free versus people who are not. We talk about freedom so passionately because we are passionate about it. Freedom, you see, for for a terrorist, anybody's terror organization, I'm not going to pick anyone out, okay? Freedom is the last thing they want to see. Freedom is a foundation. You see, they look at us and they say, okay, we have to be what they aren't. We know freedom is the foundation of our beliefs. We know because of freedom we're free to choose the things we believe in. We don't fear violence. We don't fear repercussions. But they see it as a a liability. By the way, by the way, and this is important, freedom is the only ideology in the world that wants to make the world a better place. Each and every one of us can offer our own destiny. Bill Clinton could only have come from America, born on the wrong side of the tracks, had a horrible upbringing, horrible life. Imagine imagine a young child having to see his mother beaten and with no money and destitute. I'm not talking about his politics now. No. That could only happen in America.
0: But why does that seem like it's such a liability to those who would like to oppress us? Because it's freedom, because they have options because and they exercise those options. Yes,
1: because freedom. Because freedom gives you the chance to make you not only the world a better place, your life a better place, and not
0: only that, you can do it without stripping anybody else of their rights. Exactly. I only got a few minutes left, but I have to ask you: take the politics as you know it out of it and just go by your gut as an expert. Who would be best to handle? this kind of foreign policy, who would be best to handle the illegal immigration, be it from the Europe or up from um, Mexico and South America? Who would be best to You're handle? You're
1: looking for a single name. And I'm, I well, well I'm going to ask you, a, Trump or
0: Clinton. It's that I'm simple. I'm
1: not going to you, because there is no, listen, in my opinion, this election probably has the two worst possible candidates. And I, I, I won't mince words anyway. In some things, you know, Clinton clearly has has an advantage. In other things, uh, Donald Trump is miles ahead of her. Miles. Okay. But let's not kid ourselves. Uh, these are the two worst possible candidates.
0: Probably in uh, in, in political both. history.
1: Yeah, at least in our okay. All right. And, and, and it's reached that point because we as a nation have become it. a house divided.
0: Yeah. dear, that's, dear not an under, that's not an overstatement. No, I know it's not. I know it's not. We're just pressing for time. Bob, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Hey, uh, listen, next week, guys, we've got a big old bag of paranormal. His name is Lon Strickland. He is uh, uh, into ghosts, witchcraft, Bigfoot, and... Uh, uh, Pseudoscience like uh, cryptozoology, and he's into whatever. If it goes bumps in the night, he loves it. Lon Strickland will be our guest next week. Bob Jacobs, you were great. Thank you so much. Hope you'll listen uh, next week. We've got more great topics coming up on Conversations with Laurie Kendrick on RadioBrave.com. Thanks for listening.
1: This is Radio Brave. Keep listening. It gets even better. Now let's do it up. Radio Brave. Mind and Music Radio.